This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 681 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On tonight's show, we have eventer Emily Hemmel, who tells us the story of her horse, Barry. We'll talk to Jet Jenkins about things to think about to gain experience with your horse. And then Emily will be back to give a great trainer tip. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hey, Phil, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm excellent. <laughs> I is, like is it. Well, okay? Is that okay? It is yeah. great to be excellent. We have been recording. It, it's a long night for us. We've been really enjoying because we are um, recording a week early because next week I am actually off at the North American Youth Championships. I am the chef to keep for the Region 2 Junior Team. So I am really looking forward to it. I'm going to be in Traverse City for the week. Uh, I'm really looking forward. I have six, there's six girls on the Region 2 team, and we have one uh, combined from Region 1. So um, I'm doing the juniors, and Roz Kinsler, who is literally amazing, uh, she's been the chef for many years. She, I, I'm basically, we're, because uh, her name's Roz Kinsler and my main name's Reese Koffler. So we're RK squared. I am definitely okay. RK two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm basically whatever Roz says. Team. Yeah. The powerhouse team. team, whatever Roz says goes, that's how this works. <laughs> um, but I'm really looking forward to it actually. And it's going to be my first time doing this, this position. I've, you know, I've, ridden on young riders and I've coached young riders. So this will be, it's been very fun to an educational, um, you know, it's so yeah, give, we have to give props to everybody who runs these type of events because, you know, as, as a chef, so what basically what happens with the young riders is probably to keep most of the parents out of the show office. Um, everything goes through the two chefs. So we, we draw times, we do the order of the teams. We make sure that that uh, all the writers, you know, follow the rules. Are there any problems with the show office, et cetera? We are the ones that have to go do it. Very similar to it. It, it mirrors an international competition, so it's the same thing that would happen uh, at the World Championships in Denmark. It is. Sorry, sorry. I, like, uh, like what's happening at the World Championships uh, next week in Denmark? So there's going to be so much news because we're going to have the World Championships. We have young riders. Uh, there's going to be a watch party at Young Riders for the World Championships. I'm excited about that. I think they're going to put it on a big, big screen. Uh, but it's been be, really is interesting. There internet in uh, Traverse City, Michigan. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do if there's not internet. Of course, there will be um, internet in, in Traverse City, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm very excited. And actually, um, my my roommate from college, one of my dearest friends, lives in Traverse City, and and obviously because of COVID, I haven't been able to see them. So. I'm really looking forward to that as well. She's she's not horsey, but of course she lived with me for four years, so she's pretty horsey now. She 
knows knows what I'm doing. So it'll be fun to, to you know, she's had kids like since COVID and, and uh, I haven't met them. So I'm really looking forward to a great week. It's, it's going to be a little work and a little play. So it should be really fun. So I'll have a full report when we get back. We'll also bring on, um, you know, some of the writers and, and, and they'll be able to tell our story. So maybe my team will come on. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, uh, if they behave themselves, if they right? behave themselves and we're still They're talking good. at the end of the week. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to it. So we're recording a little bit early. I think we have a great show for everybody. And again, watch the world championships. They, uh, we haven't, we've been so busy. We haven't had the riders on. They've all been in Europe and stayed in Europe. So we will grab them when they come back. Um, and we wish the U S team very, you know, all good Canadian team. No, okay. no team, just two no, individuals. I was like, Just two oh, individuals wait, uh, are, are two representing individuals. Can, uh, Canada this uh, at this World Championships. So good luck, we guys. Them well. Good luck, yeah. everybody. And and of course, uh, there's going to be so much fun watching for us. We should uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a, a, a watch party and, and we'll talk about it. So uh, lots of fun things happening. So we hope you have a great week. We've got a great show for you. So here we go. We're going to have a break from Kentucky Performance Products and get going. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, tonight, I am really honored to have five-star eventer Emily Hemmel on the line. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I have—I was trying to remember how long I've known you. I've known you since you were based here in Lexington. It's been a number of years. its It's been a long time because yeah. I left Lexington in 2015, and I was there for like seven-ish years. So, yeah, it's been a while. I know. So we have been friends and Facebook friends, and I've watched your your journey to become an international five-star rider, which is no joke. That is so hard. And, I, you know, I'm just, it's I'm fangirling because it's so fun to have seen somebody achieve their dreams. And, you know, your dream for a long time was to compete here at the Land Rover three-day event, which you checked off the box. And then you I decided did. to go to England. I mean, girl, that's no joke. You, you have competed now at badminton, badminton, badminton right? yep. and you're heading mm-hmm. to Burley. So I wanted you to just kind of introduce yourself to our listeners and then we'll, we'll get into your, your adventure because it's pretty amazing. Okay. Uh, well, I have loved horses since I was little, uh, started riding when I was eight and basically never stopped. Um, I actually began riding Western, which is kind of crazy to think, but I eventually, I took a field trip or like a, I don't know if field trip's the right word, but with my 4-H club, we went to Rolex or now it's known as Land Rover, but everybody 
still kind of knows it as Rolex. Uh, we went there as a group and I was like 11 and I fell in love. I hadn't evented before that, but that was like, once I was there, I knew that I wanted to do that someday. And basically I've been working to make that happen ever since. And, and, and you have, been, yeah, yeah, you have, right. You have been all over, all over the United States. You've, we're here in Lexington for a long time and then moved to Pennsylvania, right? I did. Yep. So grew up in Wisconsin, not overly horse friendly. I mean, I had some great times and stuff, but it was hard to kind of make things work there. Um, was a working student, uh, through college and, was out on the East Coast for a little bit, then moved to Lexington. And then, long story short, I started riding with Philip Dutton while I was in Lexington. And he offered me a job. So I moved out to Pennsylvania in 2015. And I've had several horses, you know, kind of take me up the levels, but wasn't quite able to reach the five-star goal until I started riding my horse, Corvette, affectionately known as Barry. And uh, he was my first five-star horse last year, was our debut at Kentucky in the spring. And I am so glad that he was the first horse I was able to do a five-star on because he's phenomenal. And um, yeah, I just wouldn't have wanted to do it with any other horse. So... (laughs) So tell us, how did you meet Barry? Like, how did he enter your world? So while I was working for Philip, he was one of Philip's clients' horses, and she was a young rider, lovely girl, good rider, but uh, she just didn't get along with Barry as far as like riding goes. Like, she loved him and everything, but he has a massive jump. If anyone's ever seen pictures, like he clears fences by feet sometimes like multiple feet. And, um, so she, you know, it was just hard for a young rider to kind of deal with that. He's a little bit quirky, a little bit, uh, fussy. Um, and so Philip had suggested that she sell him, like it wasn't a good match, but because he was such a good jumper, Philip suggested he go, went to a jumper barn to get sold. And so he went to a farm in Florida and they couldn't sell him because no one could really ride him. So he came back to Phillips and Philip was like, Emily, this is your project. Like you ride him, make him saleable. So that's what I tried to do. But I very quickly fell in love with him. And I asked my parents if we could buy him as an investment because I got a pretty good deal on him because nobody else could really ride him. So I kind of pitched the idea as an investment, you know, I'd put like a year's worth of training into him, get him going three star or something like that, and then hopefully make money. But in that whole process, actually pretty quick into it, I uh, knew that he was special and luckily my parents were on board for keeping him. So that is how I got Barry. That kind of worked out for you, you know. You sold sold one bill of goods, and then, uh, you know, turned around, and and now now he's yours. Uh, yeah, I've heard it, that. It sto- I've heard that way. story before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it worked out well for me. But yeah, my parents were happy. You know, they know that 
I've been chasing this five-star dream for so long and they're really supportive and I'm very thankful that they allowed me to keep them. Well, it's amazing. So you guys competed at, you know, Land Rover last year. And then how did the dream to go to England? Like, whoa, that's a huge (laughs) shift. I mean, how did that happen? Yeah, it's a big jump. (laughs) So we did pretty well at Kentucky. Well, I should say we did very well for our first five star. And then we also did well at the Maryland five star last year in the fall. And it just felt like the time was right to do as much as I could with Barry. You know, you never know how long you have a five-star horse. And again, badminton and Burley had always kind of been in the back of my mind, but not overly feasible, you know, but I figured if I was ever going to do them, I wanted to do it with Barry, at least for the first time, you know? So, uh, basically after Maryland, I started putting things together. Um, so that was in October. I think by November I had kind of decided that I wanted to go to England, um, and do this whole British journey. Um, anyway. And so I put my house on, the market to be like rented, not to sell, but I was, you know, trying to figure out how I could cut expenses to like make this possible. Um, so luckily somebody rented my house for the whole time that I was gone and it worked out perfectly that like I could have my house back when I got, um, done with Burley. So that was helpful, you know, and I just knew I needed to do some fundraising. So, started getting creative with that. You know, I did a GoFundMe and um, I had a auction on Facebook and both were very successful. I've also had, you know, clients and family members help in any way that they could. Um, And then most recently, now we have the big, bold and brave book, which goes towards funding, uh, my trip here. So yeah, I guess I was just determined to make it happen and started early, you know, in the, in the planning months ahead of time. So that, you know, it gave me enough time to get organized and make it a reality. Yeah. So that's actually enter, enter, why you're here because you know I've been watching your journey and it's been so fun to see I mean you you were amazing at badminton and you looked amazing your your jog outfits were on point like they really looked the part you looked awesome and I knew you're over there and that is really hard I think anybody that has fundraised for anything I mean you know just fundraising for my niece and nephew's school but to fundraise for an international horse is really, really difficult. And I've I've done it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll have to do it again in the future, but I loved the book. And and I actually saw it on Facebook and thought, I need to get this for my niece. And then I thought, you know what? I have been in Emily's shoes and I love that you guys, you know, you're, you're getting creative and you're doing all the things to make your adventure happen. Because like you said, five-star horses, Grand Prix horses, you know, um, any kind of international horse, a lot of times it's a very mm-hmm. short window and you really do, you know, it is a family affair and, and clients and friends and because 
anybody that's in this business knows how quickly, how expensive it is and, and usually how quickly the window closes and opens. So tell everybody, how do they get the book? It is just precious. I got my, actually got my copy right before we got on air and I was able to look, leaf through it. Can't wait to give it to my niece. Uh, she's going to love it. I'm going to leave it in the barn for a few days just so everybody gets to see it. But tell us a little bit about the book and how can our listeners get it? Okay. Well, the book kind of, it just came out of nowhere, really. Um, My mom and I, we were just having a very casual conversation. And I think I offhandedly mentioned something like really cute, buried it in the barn. Or, you know, like he's just kind of a character. And we were talking about that. And I was like, he's so funny. Like he should have his own book. And my mom goes, I've always wanted to write a book. And then basically that's what happened. So like it within two days, she had sent me like this rough draft of what the story should be about. And, you know, like it was a good first attempt, but we definitely together made some adjustments and I think turned it into a really cool story. And we knew for a children's book, like we needed a very good illustrator. And we have a friend who's actually in Lexington, Tom Monarch. And I used to teach his wife and daughter when I lived in Lexington. So it's kind of like a cool full circle thing. Um, But he was really happy to help. And he did an awesome job. Like, I'm a little bit biased, but I think the illustrations really make the story. and yeah, so it it just kind of, this is not an original plan for fundraising. This kind of came afterwards. <laughs> and yeah. um, so, but it's kind of nice because it just came out, like we just shipped the books out last week. And so readers are getting them this week. Uh, so it's like a, another little boost kind of midway well actually almost all the way through my trip but you know it's like helping me finish the the trip and stuff so sure um then you gotta fly home because that's a thing yeah i do <laughs> yeah people want me back the you gotta, to come back yeah or maybe back. don't yeah. <laughs> maybe don't you love it over there just so much so, i, I, mean, I how, do like it yeah <laughs> how can our <laughs> listeners find it give us the information on how we find that book and to help sure. you on the rest uh, of your journey so currently you can buy it on my website, which is www.emilyhamileventing.com uh, forward slash fairy book. That's where you can buy it. Or if for some reason, like you can't figure that out, you can feel free to message me on Facebook or Instagram at uh, Hamill Eventing. Fantastic. Well, Emily, we I'm going to be rooting you on for the rest of your journey, and we hope we can help you a little bit uh, reach your goals. So congratulations and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Have you ever wondered how to keep your horse sound and how to prevent future lameness issues? Have you had to deal with abscesses, stone bruises, laminitis, navicular, or soft tissue damage in the hoof capsule? Or maybe you're a farrier and you want to learn how top vets around the world diagnose and treat various hoof care issues. The Humble Hoof is a podcast for both owners and professionals discussing the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Check us out, published twice a month on Horse Radio Network. 
Well, tonight I am so excited to have my assistant on the line, Jet Jenkins. Jet came to us about a year ago, and she is phenomenal at developing young horses. And she just was um, or is heading to the USEA Emerging Athlete 21 program. So, Jet, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited. I know you hear me every week where I'm like, I got to go in and record. So you have been doing, I get to see what it is. (laughs) You get to see what we actually do, but we're so excited. I mean, one of the things that that you've done just an amazing job since you've come to Maplecrest is you have been riding and starting a lot of youngsters and also a lot of green horses. So some of them maybe aren't as, as young in age, but they are green and you know, yep. <laughs> you give them such confidence. And that was one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about because we had a three-year-old that came and you started him when he was three last year. He's four now. He's a big four years old. But you've also ridden a lot of horses in the area that are young or green. And and so talk to us a little bit about yourself and, and how you started doing this. Yeah. So you when you talked to me today about coming on and talking about you know, riding green horses, riding young horses, I started thinking about how I, like, my first experience doing it. And I think it was almost a little bit out of necessity because I never <laughs> had the resources to have a made horse. Like, it always was, we we didn't have the money to buy something made or something experienced. And so pretty much my whole life, I was riding either something young or something green. And so I think I have always just, it never, like made me nervous because it's what I was used to. And it's been a lot of fun for me. You know, my, like my favorite thing with training horses is the young ones. And we have such a wonderful young horse at Maplecrest Neo and being able to see him develop physically and mentally has been such, such an exciting time this season. But I feel I've done a lot with the thoroughbreds um, because that was the easy and obvious choice and you can get them pretty cheap. They have a pretty good mind. They're easy enough to rehome. And I just, this past probably two years have started with the warm bloods more and it's fascinating the difference between the two. And it's helped me a lot as a rider and a trainer kind of being able to how they need such different things, just a different breed. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and I've, I've learned a lot this year. In my own experience in, in riding young horses and, and that I, I, I grew up on thoroughbreds as well. And then uh, I moved to Europe to to work with uh, the Warmbloods and uh, um, that, that was an interesting experience. So, Jet, can, could you give me a little insight into the difference of the, of the two kinds of horses and, and, and what, what you've been thinking on how to approach the problem? Yeah, it's really neat because... All the young horses I've started up until I started working with Warmbloods was like two and three were really scary years. Like you were scared. And then <laughs> once they turned four and five, they became really fun. And you got to like see a lot of progress and have a horse that you could work with. And I find the Warmbloods do something a little opposite where at three, they're really fun and like really good horses and just want to do the right thing and give you the right answers. And at four, you get a little bit of that. And then something happens at five where they get a little, like they suddenly realize they have an opinion and they're like, Oh, do I actually have to do this? 
And it's so fascinating to me because there's this one woman that I've been writing for a while who is a really lovely horse. And everyone said, you know, as a three-year-old, he was the easiest horse. We'd put, you know, we'd put the teenagers on him. He was perfect. He went everywhere. He did everything. And then he turned five and no one wanted to ride him because he suddenly had an opinion about things. And he, you know, so big and would decide he didn't want to do anything. And no, like no one wanted to deal with him. And it, it was just so interesting for me that change between the thoroughbreds because it's kind of like once you have a breakthrough with the thoroughbred, you're like, you're pretty set. They'll listen and respect whatever you have to say from there on. But the warm blood too, kind of as they get a little old, older, have that attitude change for a year or two. And yeah. then you get really nice again. <laughs> it's true. And, but Jen, you also do a really good job. You do a lot of confidence building things with horses. So can you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. some of your strategies with that? Yeah. So I come from the event world. And one thing I was always taught as a young kid was the horse has to be confident to do it on their own, like with or without you. And that's how, like, that's how you build a confident horse under saddle. And so for me, I love to do a lot in hand. I work a lot in hand with young horses or green horses. And like we've seen, we do a lot of the farm, just kind of moving their feet, getting them a little more attentive to me. If it's a horse I'm training to jump, you know, put on the line over jumps before I do under saddle. We like to walk them over tarps, let them see everything, just helping them establish confidence in themselves. And then that builds a bond with you on the ground before you ever even bring work into the picture. Cause as soon as they get work-based then they get a little like nervous or sour, they're like, I thought we were just friends, but <laughs> once they know who you are and like you a little bit, it gets a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that's a good point. I mean, just you know, being their person, uh, you know, on the ground yeah. and uh and being able to take them wherever you want to go or or to do whatever you want to do, you know, trailering for instance becomes a lot easier when you can be their person and the horse will follow you wherever you want to go. I think that that makes life a lot easier, especially you know, when you're going from three years old to four years old and you want to go to horse shows and stuff like that, I mean, you, you need your your horse to be, you know, your buddy or, or, you know, and to feel really relaxed around you and, um, and you know, not to not to pressure pack a situation where you're like, oh, well, now we have to go to a horse show and, and, and you know, it's 7 a.m. and I need to be at the horse show at 9 a.m. and, uh, you know, like do, do all kinds of stuff with them before you ever want to go to a horse show and then, and then you go to a show and it's, and it's fine, you know, like there's nothing, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm just following you and we're going to go and we're going to do, we're going to do this or that and get, get experiences under your belt. Yeah. And that's, that's something, you know, we, we do a lot. We take field trips with the young horses at Maple Crest. We take them everywhere. You know, back home, I lived out West. Whenever we had to go to a show, we would go for three or four days because everything was so far away. And I would always, if I had a green horse, I would just get an extra stall and bring the green horse and like not even ride him all weekend, but for him to be there and to be somewhere different and to watch other horses go in and out of the barn and be in a new environment. Like I think the more you can create low pressure positive experiences, the more well-rounded of a horse you're going to have at the end of the day. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I think like Jet said, like one of the things, cause we've had some green ones come in too. They're, they're not green in age, but they're green and, um, and, and knowledge and understanding. And it, it is a kind of a pain, you know, for us to say, okay, we're going to take this horse to a field trip, right? We have certain places we can go. Like my sister has a, a very quiet little farm that we can go and, and it's very, very low pressure there, but there's still stuff to see and things going on. You know, it takes yep. time and that's hard. It's hard for us. We don't always have time. We're also really lucky. Like these particular horses, we said, okay, they have to get off the farm once a week. And so we have to literally schedule that in our week and in our time. We are lucky that we can walk across the street, like not even a street, like it's like an access road um, to my neighbors. And, and, and we go over there and ride some and jet will hack them. They have a track, they have a jumping ring, they have a jumping field. It's a, it's a show jumping farm, but they're really great with us bringing young horses next door. Um, but again, it takes time. And I think it's so important. Um, it, you know, we have the youngster we have so far, he's four and has not hit the five-year-old opinion stage yet. Um, but, uh, yeah. we decided this summer, you know, we, we are very lucky. We have some local little horse shows and on the Saturdays that Jet and I are both in Kentucky, which <laughs> has been a few, but <laughs> it's, limited. <laughs> it's limited, but we really try to take them. You know, we really start to say, okay, like we have to take them to those horse shows uh, to get a good citizen. I think that's part of it too. And, and I mean, it's no secret. I don't love riding the four-year-olds. I'm not very confident at it. Funny enough. Uh, it's not my thing and it's Jet's thing and she's really confident. So we literally switched the nanny pack and I am, I groom for her because um, I'm more confident on the ground and she's more confident in the saddle on those horses. And so I will definitely say that, like, it's fine to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not very good at this. I'm going to find somebody that is. And, and Jet's just up there. It is no big deal to her. She thinks it's fun. She's laughing, having a good time. But I think that's really actually <laughs> important to think about um, too. Cause it, it stresses me out. Like it's just not something I want to do. And, and so, you know, I don't mind riding into a stadium that doesn't stress me out, but riding into a, a four-year-old on an open field that really stresses me out. So <laughs> we let Jet do it and she's laughing and having a good time, you know? And, and I think that's really important also with youngsters is to find someone like Jet who's just fun and, and it's no big deal. And, you know, really what, what our horses have thrown, throw at her. I know she's had worse and, uh, but we always do it in a safe way. And then we also, we do watch our time, right? Jet, like we, if we're in a hurry, we'll change our plan and go somewhere else or not go or whatever. But on those first couple of early field trips, you can't have a real time schedule. I think that's been our key. Wouldn't you say Jet? Yeah. I think the most important thing is giving them the proper amount of time and not every horse is different and they all take something else. Like some can go to two schooling shows and be happy and be ready to do something a little bit bigger. Some need to go to 10. Some need to take, you know, to doing schooling shows until they settle down or even just field trips, not even approaching a show setting. But I think it's giving every, treating every horse as an individual, giving them the time they need and making sure those first outings are low pressure. Like it's somewhere you're comfortable riding and somewhere, you know, you have someone there that makes you comfortable because the biggest thing is to let them know that it's no big deal. As soon as they feel you nervous, then they're nervous. And those first, like, it's so essential that first year of taking them somewhere that they just know, like, we have fun. Like, I'm not worried about this. This is okay. 
positive experiences is my biggest thing. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And you're like the queen of it. We really, we've had some, some horses do and, and, and we have, we, we've really tried to be strategic on how we put the, and, and what we do with the horses. So very good. Well, Judd, how can our listeners find you online if they want to learn more about your program? Yeah. So I have a Facebook page, Jet, J-H-E-T-T, Jenkins. And if you need to get in contact with me, my email is Jet, J-H-E-T-T, E-V-E-N-T-E-R at Gmail. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Jet. Thank you, guys. Well, for this week's trainer tip of the week, we have five-star eventer international right now, Emily Hemmel on the line. Welcome back, Emily. Thanks for having me again. Well, Emily, just give everyone, if they didn't listen to your interview before, a quick rundown about yourself and what you're doing right now. I have been riding for a very long time, since I was eight. Uh, Went to Rolex, Kentucky when I was 11 with my 4-H group, fell in love with eventing. I have basically devoted my life to that ever since and riding at the five-star level, which I was finally able to accomplish that dream last year. And then, uh, yeah, did the two U.S. five stars last year and decided to set my sights high and come over to badminton in England this year and stay for the summer to compete and train and prepare for Burley in the fall. I love it. And you are a very good fly rider. Uh, you ride phenomenally, great position and great seed. And you and Barry are known for good flat work. So you've been working over there. So you have a great tip for us. Yeah. So my physio here, who's been doing some work with my horse, Barry, gave me this exercise and I found it really helpful for him. But I think it could also help your listeners. So basically what you do is you set up a a fan of walk poles. So basically you can use like four or five poles. And then on the inside of the fan, you want to prop the poles up. So on a block, or if you don't have that, you could use like a jump standard and kind of like wedge it in there. But basically you want to have these walk poles set up on a fan. And then what you'll do is you'll go through them one direction. So say if you're circling to the left, you'll go through them to the left. And then once you finish the fan, you'll do a turn on the forehand off the right leg. And then you'll walk back through the poles the other way. So you'll walk through them to the right and then do a turn on the forehand off the left leg. And then you can just repeat that a couple of times. Like you don't want to drill them and uh, do it a ton, but maybe like three or four times each direction. And it just really gets them kind of opening through their rib cage and then also like engaging their hind legs. And I usually do it at the beginning of my ride. Like I'll, I'll hack around on a long rein for a minute, but then like once I pick them up, I'll do that and then I'll get to work. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. It's a a really good exercise. It's going to, um, you know, get the horses thinking a little bit and engaged and uh, really in a fun way to get to work and get ready to work. Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I, interestingly enough, I had a horse that came in today that's really weak in his stifles and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out ways to strengthen him. I thought we can set this up 
and our ring now, you know, cause that would really help that horse. But then I'm like, I have lots of other horses that will help. And like you said, you've got to start, you know, Barry, Barry's going to be a lot stronger than most <laughs> dressage horses. You know, he's, he's strong, but you don't want to go kind crazy. of strong, you know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But you don't want to go crazy with this exercise, but the exercise is phenomenal. And like I said, it will really help this one horse that just came in for my barn. So I love it, which is awesome. Great. Well, Emily, great tip. Uh, we started chatting in our last interview about your fundraising effort while you're in England. Can you tell everybody how you get your awesome book, Big, Bold, and Brave? How do they find that to help you on your adventure and, and journey in England? Uh, you can find that on my website, which is www.emilyhamileventing.com forward slash Barry book. And there's just a, a form you fill out and you can choose how many books you want and go to checkout. It's pretty simple. And, you know, our hope with the book is that it's going to resonate with equestrians and non-equestrians alike. And it is a children's book, but I hope that it inspires readers of any age to uh, believe in themselves and chase their goals. It's great. I got my copy and I'm so glad. I can't wait to share it with everyone in the barn and, and give it to my niece as well. So Emily, thank you so much for coming on and we will be cheering you on as you go to Burley. This is so exciting. Oh, thanks so much. Well, everybody, as always, we love your emails and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. And we want to remind you, um, we have a great book club book going. And uh, if you were able to listen to the interview with Daniel Stewart last week, if not, go back and listen to him because he's amazing. And he talked about his book, Bolder, Braver, Brighter. He also talked about how the name came about. Uh, he's just really cool. We think you will really enjoy him. Enjoy his book. Grab it from horseandriderbooks.com. Uh, we love Trafalgar Square and all they do for us. So um, looking forward to that. We're looking forward to having a listener on. So get your book. I think this is a book that Phil and I are reading it and everybody needs it. So you're going to enjoy it. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. And if you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. Have great rides, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.